Romans chapter 1, let's read 20 through 22 again. Alright, verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And the reason we're here is because of this matter of spiritual warfare and how uh, the how the devil makes his play against us. And so we're learning some things here that are very, very important. Let's uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God, and we thank you for the truths that you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help help us to be able to convey them to other people. These here tonight, I pray they'd listen and understand and receive it and that it would be a help to them that they'd really bury it in their minds, their thinking, and and be watchful about it. Make it a practice of their life, their mind, their consciousness to be aware of these things and to be and therefore be able to resist the devil and fight the good fight of faith. And come out on the other end as the Apostle Paul saying, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to all be able to make it to that point in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just a little bit of review. It's been a while. Last time I preached was on February the 3rd on Wednesday night. So, it's been three weeks. So, uh, how many of you remember the last message? Satan's stronghold. Imagination. We talked about how your mind works. Imagination is the power or the faculty of the mind by which it conceives and forms ideas of things communicated to it by the organs of sense. You have eyes. You have ears. Uh, and you hear and you see. And that's how you receive information into your mind. And then when it gets in your mind, then you, there's a process that starts. First, the mind takes notice of external objects through the senses and we perceive. You remember that? To perceive is to be made aware of an object, an idea, a fact, a whatever. It's the information coming in through your eyes, through your ears. It's what you hear, what you see. You perceive it. Second, the mind apprehends, which means to take or to seize, to take hold of and commit to memory, to possess, to understand. You see a lot of things and you hear a lot of things that go in one ear and out the other. You see it, you hear it, but you don't remember it. You don't commit it to your mind. It's just a thing that flew by and, and then you're, you, it's gone. To apprehend means you keep it. Blessed are they that hear the, hear the Word of God and keep it. You know. Not the hearers are justified before God, but the doers. Not the hearers only. Be not hearers of the Word of God, but be only, but be doers. You're not going to do unless you keep what the Word of God said. Third, there's conception. 
That means to form in the mind or to be able to visualize, to call to memory or to look at the object perceived and, a and apprehended. It's a concept that you keep in your mind. You see it, you, you keep it, and you can look back on it in your mind. Remember I talked about Esther wasn't here that night and I said, see, I can see them sitting back there in the seat, but they're not really there. But I've seen them before, so I know what it looks like. I know what things feel like that I've felt before. I know what things sound like that I've heard before. We can play songs. I mean, who needs an MP3 player? I can play any song that I ever heard in my mind because I conceived it. I perceived it. I, I apprehended it. I kept it, even if I didn't want to. A lot of things you keep that you don't really want to. The devil sees to that. Point is, and the point that I made last time was that the devil can intervene in any one of these uh, steps of the process. He's there to put his hand to it and to influence it and to have an effect on it. Conception. The act of conceiving in the mind is that mental act by which an idea or notion is formed of an object absent of perception or of a sensation formerly felt. Is this what I just said to you? It's a memory. It's something in your mind that you saw or heard or felt. You have a concept. Concept is like an idea. You have an idea. An idea and a concept are close to the same thing. Finally, our imagination takes the perceptions and the conceptions we have in our mind and modifies them and rearranges them and adds to them to create our own ideas. So that's how we arrive at our own view of things. And that's how we become the individual that we are. That's how it happens right there. You form your own ideas from the things you see and hear and the influences that are upon you. But don't get the idea that you're in control of it all without any interference or any influence from anything else because you are not. This is where the spiritual battle goes on. It's in your mind and it's in every step of this process of our receiving information and what we do with it. So from this point, whatever thinking and reasoning that we do is our imagination working with the ideas that we've formed from our concepts, our conceptions. That's how we arrive and we become this individual and we arrive at our view of things. Everybody in here has got a view of things. You've got your opinions, you've got your way you look at the world, the way you look at the Bible, the way you look at church, the way you look at everything in life. You've got it settled in your mind pretty much. You've, or you, you've made some kind of, a, of an organization of what you believe, what you think. And remember what I told you last week about being wise in your own conceits? Well, he thinks he knows everything. Wise in his own conceits. The Bible said there's, seest thou a man that is wise in his own conceits? Anybody know the rest of the verse? There's more hope of a fool than of him. He's hopeless. 
if he's wise in his own conceits, if he's made up his mind and and see what it is, is he's operating on what he's collected in his mind and shut the door. He's got all he wants and he's got all he thinks he needs and he's a step above everybody else. And He can tell you what you need. He can tell you what's wrong with you. He can tell you what's wrong with everybody. He can tell you how to fix everything. And you can't tell Him nothing. There's more hope of a fool than of Him. And you know how much hope there is of a fool? You can take a fool and, and, and grind him in a mortar with a pestle, the Bible says, and yet his foolishness will not depart from him. So that's pretty hopeless. You get wise in your own conceits. Better not let your mind get in that kind of a state. So, you know, if we get messed up in any step of that, what I'm saying to you is from that point on, our reasoning is messed up. I don't know how, if y'all, I don't know much about computer programming, but I have studied it a little bit. I know a little bit. And I know this, that... uh, it became so complicated early on and so redundant and that they went to a modular way of doing it. If you buy computer programming software, you get a whole bunch, a whole library of modules. It's chunks of code that are pre-written, they're already fixed, and you just take that module and put in your program. I mean, if you to make it do a certain thing, these modules perform certain tasks or contain certain blocks of information. And you can just plug it into your program without having to write it line by line and comma and, you know, parentheses and all of that. One little mistake and you got a mess. So it's, if you do it with modules, it reduces all the margin of error greatly. Plus, it saves a lot of time. And it makes it a whole lot easier. You know, that's sort of how we do with ideas in our minds, see. You make up your mind about a certain subject, a certain way of doing things, and that's your module. Whenever you come to discern any other situation or accomplish any other task, you revert to that and bring it over here and plug it in. You just It's your way of doing things. Your own ideas. Now... We form conceptions from what we see, hear, and feel. And then we plug them into our reasoning process for discernment and understanding other things or situations and all. And if we've been lied to (laughs) or deceived in any of this process of gathering and assimilating information, our thinking is skewed. And it'll lead us in a direction away from God. You need to get that. That's what happens. If something's messed up in here, if you've got some bad code, one little thing can be wrong in your way of thinking. And you're, I guarantee you, I promise what it's going to do, it's going to take you away from God. It's going to take you out of the light into the darkness. It's going to make it hard and harder for you to understand and to see other things of God. And so it cuts you off. You took the wrong fork in the road. And it's going away from God. So that's what we're talking about here tonight. How that your vain imagination leads to a dark heart. 
That's what it says there. They became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. We'll crash or lock up just like a computer does when there's a bug in the program. Your mind doesn't work right. Just, I just want to get yes, that across to you. Right. So, I'm going to pound on that just a little bit. What do people think about when they turn from God in their thoughts? Now, if you got something wrong and it's leading you away from God, what do you think about? Their thoughts turn mostly to themselves, to their pride, to their lust, how to get what they want, how to exalt themselves over others. That's what their thoughts turn to. That's what they're thinking about. Their thoughts also naturally turn to other people in a negative way because they're perceived as threats to our selfish interests. Everybody becomes my enemy. Or potential enemy. Psychiatrists call it paranoia when everybody's out to get me. But that's just, it's just dark minds what it is. It's a dark heart. It's a selfish soul that's centered on self. Criticizing and judging other people. That's what your mind will go to when it's a vain imagination. I mean, a vain imagination is when you turn away from God. When you stop glorifying God as God. I've hammered on that to y'all to remember that. When God's not enough for you. When you got to go to the world. you got to go somewhere else. God don't satisfy you. God don't answer your questions. You turn to vain. You're not thankful. And you turn to vain imaginations. Which take you farther away from God. And vain imaginations make everybody your enemy in your mind. That's what it, that's what it becomes. Manipulating and using them for our own benefit or simply for the fun of it. There's a lot of people just like to mess with people just for the fun of it. So peace is gone. It's no longer something they enjoy in their life, but instead there's turmoil and conflict and strife. Isaiah fifty-seven twenty-one. He said it twice, Isaiah said this, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Ain't no wonder. When God is first ignored, and then He's forgotten in our thoughts, there's nothing left but vanity to think about. All is vanity without God. All is vanity. Is God in your thoughts? Is He the first thing in your thoughts of a morning, during the day, is God in your thoughts? Just think about it. How much of your, of your time awake when your mind is thinking and working, how much of it are you thinking about God? The Word of God. The things of God. Being a blessing to other people because of God. You know, somehow honoring God. Somehow exalting God. Speaking for Him. Representing Him. How much of your mind is used for that, really. And how much is used for vain, useless, worthless, profitless things? So, when we cease to form our thoughts around God and His truths, we become a vain person. Empty, worthless. I mean, as compared to fruitful or profitable. We're not fit for anything without any value to anyone, without purpose or direction, just 
leaving everything to chance and circumstance. Ephesians 4, verse 17 says, that This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So, you know, it would be a real good question for every one of us to ask ourselves, do we walk in the vanity of our mind? And how much do we walk in the vanity of our mind? Vain... Now, we all know what a vain person is, don't we? Oh, they're so vain. Well, it means to be proud of petty things or of trifling attainments, elated with a high opinion of one's own accomplishments or with things more showy than valuable, conceited. I believe I read that to you the last time also. Conceited. Just concerned about being showy more than anything that's worth anything. Vain. A woman, it's all she's concerned about is her looks and trying to be pretty and trying to get the praise and all that. She's vain. All these women on Facebook that are always putting their face up there so you can look at them and always fishing for, Oh, you're so pretty! They're vain. They're a vain person. They have a vain imagination. I promise you that they have a vain imagination. Same with men. Same with anybody else who does it. Who's always trying to put themselves out front. One major symptom of a vain imagination is a vain view of oneself and your purpose in this life. If, it, if our thinking, if in, if in our thinking... We're constantly imagining ourselves as some kind of hero or celebrity by doing some great thing. And, and we view that as our purpose in life. We have a vain imagination. Y'all listening now and following with me what I'm thinking and trying to get across to you. Do you know anybody like that? Are you like that in it, in it at all? Uh, here's a comment that I saw the other day in a religious conversation taking place online. This guy's name was Jimmy. He said, when my mind wanders, it goes to a big arena of some kind. I see myself looking at a large gathering of people teaching or preaching on healing scriptures. I daydream of taking people in wheelchairs by the hand and see them stand and walk by the power of God. I imagine walking past people with internal sickness and uh, being healed from my shadow like Peter. I pray for people everywhere I go if they'll allow me the privilege. Do you see what I mean? That is vanity. That's a vain person. With a vain imagination. Who's the hero? Him. What does he think God's will for his life is? To be the hero. It's so ridiculous because God won't share his glory with a man. You know, that we have this treasure in earth and vessels that no flesh should glory in His sight. You know, but boy, vain men sure do want glory. They sure do like that glory. 
Jesus had to rebuke his disciples more than once for this because they were arguing over who would be the greatest. Remember that? Some of the some of the most important times when he needed their attention and they should have been on the ball. You know, them them clowns are arguing over who's the greatest. I'm better than you. I'm I'm gonna be better than you. I'm gonna be more famous than you. <laughs> the Bible's clear about having a desire to exalt oneself. Matthew 23, verse 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Luke 1, 52. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. James 4, verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. So if your mind is working on trying to figure out a way to the top for you, it's your vain imagination. People's dreams are, for the most part, vain imaginations. I have a dream. Well, I just have this dream. Well, what's at the end of the dream for you? Well, I'll bet it's fame and fortune and celebrity status. That's what most people's dreams are about. Most people don't dream about other people making it. They dream about them making it, don't they? The ability to imagine is a gift from God. And it's meant to be used creatively, not just for entertainment and dreaming. Imagination or thinking. Think of it like that. When I say imagination, I'm talking about your thinking. Our thinking process. Your reasoning. Your thinking. What goes on in your mind? What's going on in your mind right now? You're thinking. Some of you are thinking about what I'm saying. Some of you maybe not. You're thinking about something. Something's going on in your mind. You're not awake and not thinking. Some people look like they are and some people act like they are. But there's something going on up there. Imagination or thinking that goes nowhere and produces nothing is vain imagination. God meant it to be creative. Not just to entertain us. Not just so we can sit around and dream and dream and dream. You ever know anybody? I think Mike Pearl put it in this way, that visionary. He's always a sin. You ever know anybody that's always going to do this? I always got these big plans and they're just talking about it in detail. All they're going to do and how this is. And they just dream and dream and dream. But never get nothing done. Do you know anybody like that? I've known a few in my life. Common people call them call it pipe dreams it ain't never gonna amount to nothing it's just talk it's just somebody sitting around with their wheels spinning thinking about it thinking about it thinking about it it's vain imagination if it goes nowhere if it accomplish if it accomplishes nothing the ministry has almost been completely hijacked by the devil so that it's just another means of exalting certain people and making celebrities and heroes out of them. 
It's all I've heard since I've been saved almost among the independent Baptists. That's what they push everybody to do is to be some great one. Accomplish some great work for God. And their goal is to be a celebrity among them. So you can go to the meetings and and preach and your name will be on the sign and in the sword of the Lord. And Somebody we all know told me one time, he said, he told me a long time ago, he said, you know, they've, and he went to these schools and he was one of them and all of that. But he said, we, he said, they, we've tried for years to raise leaders. He said, we should have been raising servants, training servants. Because the ministry is about serving, not being famous. It's not about accomplishing some great, magnificent feat so that we would be renowned. It's about day by day, continually living, serving other people. You serve God by serving other people. And the ministry has become about getting famous. Making lots of money. Writing books. About, it's, it's a ladder you climb up just like, like the professions of the world. A lot, if not most, preachers look at it that way. Especially among the denominations. I mean, they'll take some little podunk church when they first get out of college because so that's just where you start. But as soon as they get a little experience, they can send out resumes and move to a bigger church, a bigger check, a better benefits and... That's how they look at it. That's how they do it. And ever and and most of them's dream is to pull something off somehow, so that everybody will think they're some kind of superhero, extra spiritual. Not only the ministry of being a pastor or a preacher of some kind, but the ministry that's the duty of every Christian has been lost to vain thinking and vain <coughs> imaginations. Y'all listen to me? If our thoughts are not about being a blessing to other people and a help to other people and an encouragement to other people as well as a means of helping them to come to know the Lord, if our thoughts are not there, as far as our ministry and our place and our uh, and the will of God for our life, if our thoughts are not there, you have a vain imagination. If you're seeking for anything else, it's a vain imagination. It's vanity that causes you to worry about what other people think about us. As far as our church, our family, uh, ourselves, it's only vanity and pride that troubles us about what other people say about us. Our thoughts ought to only be about how to be a blessing to somebody. How to help somebody. Spiritually, physically, whatever. However, that's the ministry. That goes for preachers and pastors. That goes for people who sit in the pew. All of us are in the ministry. And it's not about being well known or doing something to get, to get the praise of men. If we do that, we got a reward, Jesus said. I'd rather do it in secret. Well, that's another, that's another direction we could go, but 
If we think that the Christian life or the ministry is about striving to accomplish some great thing that validates our greatness and or spiritual superiority, we're indulging a vain imagination. Simple as that. One of the main symptoms of a vain imagination is self-exaltation in your mind. Other people may not ever know what you're thinking about yourself, what your real ambitions are, or what your dreams are. But you do, and God does. And I'm just telling you, you've got a vain imagination if you're looking to be somebody. <laughs> and she says, man, I could just park right there and really pile drive it in. You ain't going to find that in the Bible, any man who thought that way that was right with God, that God did use. I just want God to use me. Well, get yourself out of the way. They just sang a song about it. When I came to the end of myself, it has to be. It's about us being spent I must decrease. If Christ is going to increase, I must decrease. So all my work's in the background. The things that this world and that most of Christianity thinks are the great things, it's just what Jesus said, the things that men highly esteem are abomination in the sight of God. <laughs> men highly esteem. What God calls abomination. Why do I want men's praise? And why do I want their esteem? Well, I'm vain. That's the only answer. I'm vain. I'm not right with God. My mind is not working right. I have a vain imagination. And boy, it's going to take me to a bad... Uh, it's going to have bad results. So the result of a vain imagination is that our foolish heart is darkened. That's a pretty scary thing. You know, it took me a long time to begin to understand about God and, and get light and understanding. You know, and, and after all these years, 45 years nearly here, you know, what I've got now, I don't want to give up. The thought of losing the light. Well, that's the worst thing that I could possibly think of that would ever happen to me. For my heart to be darkened. Because I let my mind just free will or be led astray or be deceived by the devil. Because I wasn't watching because I didn't know these things. Because I wasn't exercising myself and girding up the loins of my mind and studying the Word of God and, and drinking it in and keep hiding it in my heart. And I'd lose the light. Well, we're Baptists, you know. We believe in eternal security and all of that. You better just listen to what the Word of God is warning us about here. It, that is such a danger for people to trust in such things as that. When I hear somebody revert to that, I almost know they don't understand. They don't have it. They're running 
for a handle to hang on to that ain't going to hold for them. Well, that's the truth, man. I'm telling you what. I know. Uh, you know, I, lots of Baptist preachers I've known through my life, they think I'm a heretic anyway. They just know I am. And when I say stuff like that, that just seals it for them. Yes. <laughs> but you just wait until God reveals the hearts of all men. I'm telling you the truth right here. I've seen too many that looked as real as they could be. I've been fooled by some of them. I thought they were spiritual. They could talk it, boy. They acted it. They seemed to live it. And I mean, they're in the depths of darkness now in their soul. Their foolish heart was darkened when their imagination became vain. Vain thoughts take us further and further away from God and the light. Because God is the light. When you start going away from God, you are going into the darkness by degrees. Our understanding fades. And confusion and fear become our companions. Wow. Wow. You know, it's just like watching these older people and that we see nowadays so many of getting dementia. And you watch as they just fade out. In their mind, their understanding. They're just gone. They're still there. Their, mind, their body is. And they can still talk. They can still communicate. But they're just, they're lost somewhere. That's how it is with you and God when your imagination becomes vain and your heart's darkened. To others, it becomes obvious that we've lost our way. This is what happened to the mind and heart of, of anyone that you've known, that you've seen leave the church and the family and start living a sinful lifestyle. That is exactly what happened to them? How many have ever been talked back into coming back? How many have ever returned from where they left off? That you know. You know. So I know one. Well, maybe I've known one or two, but I've known scores, if not hundreds, that left and never came back and ain't coming back. Very seldom does anyone ever find their way back home. I'm just talking slow because I want it to sink into you how what a somber thing this leads to. Here's some things about them. When their hearts darkened, they always profess themselves to be wise. But they're obviously fools to everyone who's not fallen into the same darkness. Is that true? You thinking of anybody? Hmm? They're always wise in their own conceits. Buddy, they have ideas that you don't understand because you're too dumb. You're not as smart as I am. I have figured some things out. Yeah. If you'd read what I've read, listen to what I've listened to, 
you'd been through what I've been through, you'd see things the way I do. That's the way they are. Every time. You're an idiot. They're wise. In their own conceits. They're not going to show you in the Bible how they're right. They're not going to hold up any kind of righteous living to show you they're right. They're just right. And they've made up their minds and formed con- certain concepts and set them up as pillars for their own logic or way of thinking. And they're totally based upon lies and false information, but to them, they're solid truth. We can see this real clearly in like atheism and evolution. Did you ever argue with any of them kind of people? Try to reason with them? Uh, paganism, witchcraft. What about climate change and communism and socialism and other crazy insanity of our time? Gender people that, you know, they call them alphabet people. LGBTQ, whatever. I mean, you might as well just say ABCD, EFG, HIJK, LMNOP, you know, people like that. They're just adding letters every year. They add a new letter because they got a new thing. What do you reckon's happened to somebody who thinks that gender doesn't exist? Reckon their foolish heart is darkened? They don't even know light from darkness anymore. But that's become the norm in our insane society and world that we live in. They think we're crazy. This is the honest truth. They think that we are crazy. That we have mental issues. And eventually, when they get enough control, they'll try to do something about it. Like they did in Russia. They just put you in asylums and drug you and torture you or whatever they got to do to change your mind and the way you think. Because you don't think like they do. You don't, you don't have the same concepts they do. But we can also see it in common everyday foolishness of some of our loved ones and acquaintances. We can see this, uh, you know, that it's totally based upon lies and false informations and, and we have loved ones that are doing the same thing. So under the pure, all things are pure, but under them that are defiled... And unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. <clears throat> Alright, I'm about done. This kind. <coughs> we started in all of this preaching about out of Mark chapter 9, I believe it is. This kind. This kind cometh forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. Once the mind has thus been taken captive by Satan, it becomes such a stronghold that the soul is almost never set free. He's dug in. He's got control of it all. It's a stronghold. You're not going to knock it down with carnal means. The main reason for this that he's never set free 
is because there are so few people who understand what's happened and what is the true state of things with this person or with themselves. Y'all listening to me. The reason that it's so hopeless is because there's so many people that don't understand, don't know. They, they do not understand what's going on. We do it ourselves. We say, I just don't understand. I just don't understand how they live like that. I don't understand how they can think like that. I don't understand what's wrong with them. Right? Right on the money. That's what's wrong. They have no spiritual knowledge, most people don't, or faith concerning what to do to help this lost soul find freedom from Satan's bondage. Can't come forward except by prayer and fasting. What are you going to pray? Oh, Lord, save them. Oh, Lord, save them. Oh, Lord, save them. It's like going to the ceiling. Yes, right. You're missing the mark with your prayers. If that's all you pray. Do you believe in prayer? You believe God hears prayer? Do you believe that prayer makes any difference? I believe it does. I know it does. But I know that it's got to be directed. I mean, you, it's not, if it's just vain repetitions, it's going nowhere. I heard this little story years ago. The preacher said, I think Lester Roloff told him. He said this pastor, his church burned to the ground. He said, I called him. And the next morning, I told him, I said, Brother, uh, Satan has brought you to your knees. He'll be sorry for that. To the devil, prayer is a real issue. Especially if it's directed to the target. What's wrong with these people? What has happened to them? Is it just a... Now, I've talked about the mind and the process and all that. Is it just a defect? How did they get off track? How did they get to thinking crazy? How did they get that vain imagination? What, what was involved in that? Evil spiritual powers. Everybody else tell you, nah, it's just your sinful nature. You was born with it. Don't worry about it. Can't help it. Can't stop it. Can't no deliverance from it. You ain't going to get rid of it till you're dead. That's all you're going to hear. Find me somebody that will tell you anything different. I'm telling you different here tonight. If you want to pray for some loved one, some other soul that is in this condition, you pray against those spirits that are affecting them and holding them hostage. Pray against the devil like Jesus did. Like the disciples did when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. You might see some difference. When you really start fighting a spiritual battle instead of a carnal battle against spiritual forces. You're not going to do any good whatsoever. It's like people with bows and arrows and sticks and stones fighting against nuclear weapons. That's about how it is. Not going to do any good. Have no spiritual knowledge or faith concerning what to do to help this lost soul find freedom from Satan's bondage. And Jesus told us plainly, simply, this kind. Cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. They said, why couldn't we cast him out? He said, prayer and fasting. This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Why does it 
how does it get so complicated? How is it that we don't understand what he said when he said it so simply? So they attempt to fight this battle with carnal weapons, which are nothing more than the same tools that Satan himself uses. <laughs> he uses carnal weapons against us, and it works on us. And we try to take the same carnal weapons and use it on somebody he's got in his grips. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. It fails every time when we try to use carnal weapons. When we try to reason with them. When we try to plead with them. When we try to touch their emotions and cry and, and try to touch their heart. You're missing it when you touch their heart. The devil's got their mind. They may cry. You might awaken their feelings, but you haven't done anything about the stronghold. That's right. That's so true. Until we come to truly understand that the whole thing about sin and salvation and good and evil and Jesus Christ and Satan, until we come to truly understand that all that is about warfare between evil spirits of devils and the Holy Spirit of God will know no victory for ourselves or for others. You've got to come to understand that. All that I've been preaching about, is that's what it is, and that's the core of it right there. We've got to come awake to what's really going on. Believe it! And fight the enemy. With prayer, with fasting. <laughs> and we'll see some victories. Sure will. Now, if the Lord's willing, next week I'm going to talk about a positive side of this deal. If your mind is not a, full of vain imaginations. If, you're not, if your imagination is not vain, what's that like? I don't I doubt that I'll be able to express what I know about it. All right, let's bow. Father, we thank you for the truth. Praise the name of the Lord. I pray that it would go somewhere. And Lord that it would bring forth fruit in our lives. Help us, Father, is that we know these things now and I pray that we wouldn't just lay them aside and go on our way like we always have. This, this is so important. It ought to make a real difference in our lives and in our future and in our fruitfulness in Your kingdom. Please bless it to our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.